This is the second half of the Law of One, Session 10, and the re-listened, it's the re-listened version, January 27, 1981, about 33 years ago. <clears throat> Last time we talked a lot about Maldek and Bigfoot, and um, uh, how that related to the transfer of souls on Earth, <clears throat> and by extrapolation, uh, how we can understand uh, human consciousness better because there is some significant um, inclusion of the Maldek souls to the current 3D souls on Earth, 7 billion, uh, as uh, one of the streams of consciousness or mind of the souls, or they're, they're thinking their way, uh, that is a significant influence on humanity today. A group who blew up their whole planet. Uh, so you see ignorance and destructiveness to the max. Now, <clears throat> the discussion of Maldek and Bigfoot uh, and potential destruction of Earth uh, moved us to uh, a discussion of Harvest, and I'll start with 10.9, which we may have covered last time, <clears throat> uh, when Don is asking about graduation and the whole process by which entities go from one planet to another. Don, go, Don asks 10.9, well, that <clears throat> when a graduation occurs uh, from our or entity, or entities move at the end of a cycle from one planet to another, by what means do they go from one planet to another? Ra says, in the scheme of the Creator, the Logos, the first step of the mind-body-spirit-beingness or totality-beingness is to place the mind-body-spirit-complex distortion in the proper place of love-light. This is actually what happens at dimensional shift and after death. This is done to ensure proper healing of the complex, meaning the mind-body-spirit-complex, and eventual attunement with the totality-beingness-complex, which are the higher aspects of our seven-dimensional being. This takes a very variable length of your time-space. This is the work of healing uh, after death, actually, healing and review. <clears throat> uh, after this is accomplished, the experience of the cycle is dissolved and filtered until only the distillations or distortions in its pure form remains. Actually, that's the review. At this time, <clears throat> the harvested mind-body-spirit totality beingness evaluates the density needs of its beingness and chooses the more appropriate new environment for either a repetition of the cycle or a moving forward into the next cycle. This is the manner of the harvesting, guarded and watched over by many. <clears throat> now, every word here has some technical um, meaning. Uh, from the beginning, uh, in the scheme of the Creator, that phrase, we're talking about activity within the seven-dimensional octave. The creator being the Logos or the great, you know, an eighth density being who creates and manages a solar system, which is the physical manifestation of a seven-dimensional octave. <clears throat> the first step of our totality being, or our total being, which uh, is to basically place a smaller portion of its totality, meaning mind-body-spirit complex, into a certain uh, time-space uh, dimensional field. 
So mind-body-spirit complex is us or the evolving soul up to the level of higher self in late sixth density. The beingness complex or mind-body-spirit beingness complex is the soul plus sixth density higher self. The beingness word, the word beingness, pertains to the state of mind or being of higher self at one with all, knowing one is all, all is one, the unified self. The totality aspect, or the word totality here, includes, or basically points to the seventh density self. That seventh density self is the total self of, or as, a seven-dimensional entity. So we are an evolving soul, uh, mind-body-spirit complex, currently in 3D physical form, with a 3D veiled mind, uh, existing within the sphere of our greater beingness, which is our higher self, existing within the sphere of our totality, which is the totality uh, essence, which is the teacher of higher self, which is our seventh density totality. So higher self has a teacher, and that's called a totality complex. The totality complex guides higher self in its guidance of us, or our current form, being mind-body-spirit complex, or soul. So mind-body-spirit being this totality complex is often the way Ra writes it. Interestingly here, it, it's written as mind-body-spirit totality beingness, but <laughs> uh, the totality beingness complex represents the sixth density and seventh density uh, totality or totalism of, of what we are as evolving spark of light in the octave. So after death, three phases ensue, Ra said, uh, healing, review, and preparation for next incarnation. After dimensional shift, or, or at harvest, this occurs also, healing, review, and preparation for the next incarnation. Now all of that takes a very variable length of time. The first step is healing. Ross said, proper healing of the complex, meaning mind-body-spirit complex, which is basically to um, smooth out the kinks and to um, straighten the crooked uh, and to unblock the clogged of the energy lines and energy fields of body-mind-spirit complex. That precedes and leads to the review. The review is uh, akin to what's Ross saying, the experience of the cycle. Now this means the whole series of incarnations in 3D for an entity at the end of a cycle of 3D or harvesting time, which is actually every 25,000 years. Not only now, this is the last of the harvests of 3D cycle. 75,000 years is called the master cycle. 25,000 years is called the major cycle. At the end of each major cycle, 25,000 years, there is an opportunity uh, for souls to harvest naturally according to the cycles of energy of the planet. Uh, but after every incarnation, this healing review preparation occurs. The review, again, is akin to the experience preceding it, like the incarnation, or in the case of harvest, the whole series of incarnations. The experience of the cycle dissolved and filtered. That's an esoteric process done by higher self. 
until only distillation of distortions in pure form remains, which means the degree to which the person has really gotten love and light, the degree to which the person really lives in love and light. Uh, what, what, um, it's, it's basically a focus on the fourth and fifth chakras aspects of our totality. While the healing phase is in many ways uh, working through uh, distortions carried over after the lifetime into the astral plane after death, so-called death, after departure from the physical vehicle, the blockages of one, two, three are remain. That's what you take with you. You can't take it with you. It only refers to material um, objects and relationships. What you can and do and always take with you is the energy condition, uh, consciousness condition of mind-body-spirit complex of your seven chakra manifestation. You take that with you, for sure. And <clears throat> the first work of healing is in many ways focused on first, second, third chakra blockage alleviation. The next phase review is in many ways an assessment of the degree to which love and light has been activated or developed while with chakra activation of fourth and fifth love and uh, wisdom centers. Uh, that is the dissolving and filtering, and that is the recognition of the distillation uh, of how well we've used catalyst during the lifetime for polarization. Then, at last, um, the totality, our, our total being, which is a harvested mind-body-spirit totality beingness, evaluates uh, our totality, which is really the guide, again, the seventh density aspect, evaluates the density needs of its beingness, meaning he talks to higher self and says, hey guy, what do you need? And higher self says, well, this mind-body-spirit complex, uh, you know, develops such and such an amount or, or degree of love-light uh, activation during its incarnations or the last incarnation, and therefore should appropriately be put into whatever, back to third density for repeating, or into 4D positive, because it can take the love light, can stand the light. That is the choosing of the, a more appropriate new environment, which is either repeating the cycle, 3D repeaters, as 95 or 90% of humanity will likely be, or moving forward to the next cycle, meaning the harvestable graduates, mainly 4D positive. This is the manner of harvesting. It's guarded and guided and watched over by many. Uh, including the 8th density guardians who back up the 7th density totality uh, portion, totality um, arhat, <laughs> or uh, minor Buddha. So <clears throat> that's, you know, to say you are a multidimensional being, this is a technical metaphysics uh, answer explaining what our... Um, multidimensional being is and how it facilitates um, graduation to a higher density, repeating of the cycle, and the post-incarnational process. So, you know, this is so head, head and shoulders above, of any, above beyond any other channeling in English, maybe some other language, but I don't think so. This is so head and shoulders above other channeled sources that anyone with eyes to see and discernment can see that most other channeling is children talk. It's, it's just um, channels talking their own view. <laughs>
their own ideas, some of which are true and important and useful and interesting, but it ain't the real deal. This is the real deal because you, you can't explain it unless you're beyond it. And Ra is beyond um, time and space. They're beyond duality. They're beyond separated sense of self. They're beyond um, the notion of a soul evolution as a linear process. <laughs> they're, they're living in the one. That's higher self. That's you. Not, not separate. You're a being. You're, you're beingness, right? That's the word. Your being is at one. If you want truth, ask yourself. The answers are within. The problem is that people don't look within, they just go uh, circling around and around with the thoughts and opinions that they already have and don't find their source. They don't go to the source. So, that's a discussion of Harvest, and now the new material, 10.10. .10. A couple of short questions coming. Don asks, when the entity is moved from one planet to the next, is he moved in thought or in a vehicle? Ross says, the mind-body-spirit totality beingness, our true seven-dimensional being, is one with the Creator. There is no time-space distortion, therefore it's a matter of thinking the proper locus, the proper point, in the infinite array of time-spaces. So, uh, a seven-dimensional being... Uh, knowing its seven, you know, being its total seven-dimensional self, uh, simply thinks uh, the correct point in the time-space um, field of seven dimensions, uh, and it manifests there automatically. And um, you know, this would be basically um, uh, uh, connecting into. Um, the embryo, <laughs> the fetus, you know, that would be the overshadowing that would lead to incarnation. 10.11, while an entity is incarnated in third density at this time, he may either learn without consciously knowing what he's doing, or he may learn after he's consciously aware that he is learning in the ways of the loved one. Second way, which is consciously aware that we're learning uh, on the spiritual path, it is possible for the entity to greatly accelerate his growth. Is it correct? Rasa is correct. Of course. Conscious spiritual evolution is far more accelerated and intensified in effect and in process than unconscious learning. So most people here on planet Earth are learning unconsciously, if they're learning at all. They're learning somewhat, sure. But, you know, the real question is... <clears throat> Uh, 60 year olds to what extent have they really developed themselves beyond how they were when they were 20 year olds to what extent are they greater in love wisdom to what extent is a 60 year old or a 70 year old further along in open heart and clarity of mind and the definition of life purpose um, somewhat but not much and that's called unconscious soul evolution, or unconscious growth under the veil in 3D. But, you know, consciously knowing what we're here for and what we intend, and a conscious uh, articulation of our values is clear, is, is key. It's really, really helpful. 10.12, I'll take questions in a little while. <clears throat> then it would, although many entities are not aware of this, what they really desire is to accelerate their growth. 
and it is their job to discover this while incarnate. Is it is it correct that they can accelerate their growth much more while incarnate in third density than in between incarnations of the density, which is a refinement of the previous question, and that's true. Ra says this is correct. We shall we shall attempt to speak upon this concept, which is the acceleration of spiritual growth or personal growth uh, during the incarnational phase, as as opposed to the um, out of incarnation phase on the astral plane, three D inner planes, time space, before birth and after death. There's no death, but before birth, incarnation, and after departure from the body. Ra says, the law of one has one of its primal distortions, the free will distortion. Thus, each entity is free to accept, reject, or ignore. The mind-body-spirit complex is about it, and ignore the creation itself. There are many among your social memory complex distortion, meaning society, who, at this time space, at this time, engage daily, as you would put it, in the working upon the law of one in one of its primal distortions, that is, the ways of love. However, if this same entity, being biased from the depths of its mind-body-spirit complex towards love-light, were then to accept responsibility, that's the key word here, respons accepting responsibility for each moment of the time-space continuum, uh, time-space accumulation of present moments available to it, such an entity can empower its progress in much the same way as we describe the empowering of the call of your social complex distortion to the Confederation. This is the law of squares, and Ra is saying that <clears throat> the law of squares oh, can apply, can be applied to the relationship between humanity calling spiritually and the Confederation responding and helping, as well as the the uh, activity of an individual soul or body-mind-spirit complex uh, consciously taking responsibility for its condition of mind. Not only our behavior and interaction with other, not only what we do and say, but also um, essentially that we are making our, our life moment by moment. You are making yourself moment by moment. You don't exist consciously fully, to the extent that you are conscious, in any other time other than now. The power of now is that, for us, there's nothing but now. Now, our experience of now, the present moment, uh, basically uh, accepting responsibility for each moment of the accumulation of present moments, being in the now and present, uh, although it is extremely limited, meaning we don't remember the past and we don't see the future, we don't see um, other dimensions and other realms, we're only in a physical, we experience only, not we're in, but we experience only a very limited uh, physical, spatial environment. This is my body and that's the stuff and that's your body and that's over there and this is over here. So we experience a very... Mm, crude limitation of uh, space, meaning here and there, a very, very limited experience of time. I forgot yesterday, and I don't know tomorrow. Although they're 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 influential, I'm really pretty much ignorant of all that. That's the that's the effect of being under the veil. Yet, if we take responsibility for 
the power of self-creation in the moment. Uh, whatever happens to me is my creation, more or less, co-created with others, but certainly self-born. The um, self-generation of catalyst, the self-generation of experience, the self-generation of the nature of the present moment. If we know that, acknowledge that, take responsibility for that, this is a great empowerment akin to the Law of Squares or making use of the Law of Squares, which is a compounding, a doubling, an intensifying, a factorializing, uh, and a strengthening of um, the power available to us in the present moment, and therefore the potency of positive polarization for us in the present moment. So Ra is saying, well, uh, based on free will, the law of free will, any entity can do whatever he wants. You can accept others and reality. You can reject others and reject reality. You can ignore whatever you want. In fact, the acceptance is the positive path. Rejection is the negative path. And ignoring is non-polarization. So Ra, um, because they live it one in one, even little utterances that they speak, like, you know, accept, reject, and ignore people, body, mind, complexes around it, or ignore creation itself, these themselves have a technical kind of meaning. Uh, and so uh, the technical or the uh, metaphysical is that these three ways of being pertain to the two paths and the no path. The two paths being positive and negative, the no path means no polarization, repeating 3D uh, endlessly until one gets clear about choice of values, moral values, moral responsibility, love or with, love or control, which way are you going to go? So, <clears throat> Ra saying there are lots of people around who um, are trying to be love-based or kindly, uh, which is good on the positive path and keeps people moving along. However, if they... Um, from a deep level of self-awareness, uh, take responsibility and want to take responsibility, want to um, be the, the, the leader of their own life and realize their power and, realize, and seeking more power, realizing their current power, taking responsibility for each moment, that empowers uh, development greatly, which is a squaring or a potential... Uh, uh, potentizing. And that's uh, very much seen in uh, meditation, vipassana meditation, mindfulness of breath as an example, where uh, the first breath, you know, we're watching the breath, right? Coming in, pause, going out, coming in, pause, going out, and that kind of thing. Uh, 20 breaths along, a few minutes into the sitting, uh, one is at a deeper state than one was at the start. 20 more minutes along if one doesn't go to sleep or um, get up or go into fantasy and distraction, one's at a much deeper state than uh, 20 minutes ago. That is a very tangible expression of this uh, empowerment of mind or consciousness and awareness associated with responsibility for the present moment, moment by moment. So... Uh, it's very interesting. Uh, Don goes further asking, how would you state 
or could you state this in a little different way? How will you empower the call? What does that mean, empowering the call? Ra 1013 answers, we understand you're to speak now of our previous information. The call begins with one. This call is equal to infinity and is not, as you would say, counted. It is the cornerstone. So one is equal to infinity. That's a very uh, <laughs> mind-bending statement already. That's, um, anyway, we can get into that, but uh, one equals infinity, actually, uh, after there's a deeper realization of what the one really is. So uh, this call, the first call, or the first moment of taking responsibility is equal to infinity. It's not counted. It's just sort of the basis. It's like... Um, you know, one to the one power is one. Nothing you can say. But one to the two uh, starts the ball rolling. So the second call is added. The third call empowers or doubles the second and so forth. Each additional caller, it's actually calling, caller would be related to humans calling for the confederation. Or calling or taking responsibility for the moment is what pertains to the individual. Each additional caller doubling and or granting power to all the preceding call. Thus, the call of many of your peoples is many, many powered and overwhelmingly heard to the infinite reaches of the one creation. And that's very true in that uh, the confederation, there are many groups here, you know, there are like a dozen confederation groups. And then there are groups from further away who are just observing. They're not members of this confederation, but they're positive four, fifth, sixth density groups observing the planetary process and dimensional shift. They are kind of like the uh, interns or the uh, visiting, visiting professors uh, in the uh, stadium or the amphitheater watching the operation. And uh, <laughs> it's a busy uh, place, uh, planet Earth today. Uh, although all of this is occurring invisibly. So, uh, the calling, anyway, the, the love squares or this empowerment intensification process is a sequential kind of thing. Uh, the, the simple conclusion is that each moment we're taking responsibility for our seeking and the experience of who we are and how we are uh, has a compounding potentizing effect on further development. I mean, I, anybody can see that. The more you read, the more you're going to be able to learn faster. The more you meditate, the more clear you'll be able to meditate beyond that. Uh, the more you do for yourself, the more you'll be able to do for yourself and readily um, accept as uh, the best way forward. Uh, now, 10.14 starts us on a big exercise that Rob presents. So let's see if there are any questions right here. So, um, that's a good question. So the question is, would a prayer be considered a call? Uh, depends on the nature of the prayer. Uh, prayer is normally a kind of um, asking for help. Please, God, um, do this, or don't do that, or make this happen, or stop this from happening. 
Um, it is a form of call, for sure. I think that uh, it doesn't, you know, the more one prays, also, there is a doubling. But the effect of prayer depends, is, is very, is quite variable. Uh, because it depends on who's praying, how they're praying, and what they're praying for. Uh, who is praying means that the more developed the, the entity, the more effective their prayers will be. Meaning the more for those on the positive, this would apply to those on the positive and the negative path. Negatives are not praying, but they're doing ritual for power uh, or, or knowledge or something. But uh, for those on the positive path, prayer as supplication, requesting help, uh, is first of all determined by the nature of the seeker. The more evolved the person, uh, the more they'll get. And so there's some saying attributed to Yeshua, Jesus, something like, um, uh, for he who has much, much shall be given, for he who has little, even that little will be taken away. It means that uh, God helps those who help themselves. The universe brings benefit to those who have brought benefit to others. Uh, the more we work on our, our path, the more we develop ourselves, the more doors are open, and the easier doors open, and the more we'll recognize doors that could be opened. So the more you do, the more you can do. The more you do, in a positive way, love wisdom, the more the universe will help you. And so that's the distinction between levels of development of the caller or the prayer, the one who's calling for prayer, calling by prayer. Then there's a the question of what you're praying for. Well, <clears throat> if you're calling or praying for something that uh, is negative, you know, like may that person have bad fortune uh, because I want to hurt them, uh, unless you're a negative adept, uh, it probably is not going to be fulfilled by a positive being. And again, it would depend on the, the state of mind or the, the, the development and the soul development of the caller. There are certain callings or prayers that are impossible because it's a karmic matter. Uh, and um, even a positive, very high positive being, very highly developed and positive being, won't get certain prayers fulfilled or, or answered in the way of getting what they're calling, if they're even doing that, uh, because it's simply karmically unallowable. Uh, and then, you know, the complexity of karma gets into the picture, and um, there are certain offsets that are possible, but uh, it's limited. Anyway, uh, so I would say prayer is a form of call, but it's not as simple as seeking inspiration or seeking comfort from higher levels, which is a more pure calling. Prayer, when it involves requesting something to happen uh, tangibly or materially, uh, is uh, not empowering in a sense. But again, it, it's... Uh, you know, there are lots of complexities, but, but I would say that the degree to which the person praying is one-pointed uh, as a greater expression of power, that one-pointedness 
uh, again and again, the same point again and again and again. That that has some uh, doubling. That is being doubled too. So it's similar. Just more complicated, I think. <clears throat> I don't think so. I mean, when Ra talks about the calling of humanity that leads to confederation response, um, it's it's uh, you know very much an example would be the Hebrew group or any group calling for uh, support or relief or salvation uh, when they're in times of trouble. That That's certainly an example. It's just that what you see is, is the response from higher powers is limited according to karmic law. Because, okay. you know, whatever trouble we have, we made it. We deserve it. Not because we're bad, but because we made choices that led this led to it. You know? Whatever we experience, we deserve. Absolutely all of it. Because we are responsible for the choices that set in motion um, forces or whatever that led to this result. Everything we experience is the result of, of causes. By our choices, we created those causes. We established the causes that, by causality, led to the results, which are called today, which is called what I'm experiencing. So everyone in any degree of suffering made their own suffering. That's karma. Uh, there's no other way. Well, yeah. I mean, the person who's praying or prayer itself can, can lead one to feel better. In some level, prayer is uh, an, an implicit affirmation of the reality of higher dimensions and higher dimensional positive beings. So, to the extent that uh, the person's praying to a higher being, higher dimensional positive being, there is a affirmation, again, reaffirmation, of their faith or trust or knowing that reality includes higher dimensional positive beings. That itself is a good thing. Because the person uh, comes to remember that what's happening here um, exists within uh, a sphere of greater life. That's reality. And uh, keeping our mind on that reality, we wouldn't make such bad karma for ourselves here. And so mm -hmm. that, that prayer is a portion of karmic alleviation or bringing in new karma. Karma can't be destroyed, but it can be dissolved. And uh, negative karma, or the the um, chain of causality set into motion by service to self action, loveless love without love action, domination or harm to others or lying, cheating, stealing, and all that, or destructiveness to self and other. Uh, the chain of causality established by those actions in thought and word and deed, in physical action and in thought and in word, those lines of causality are, in a sense, um, mitigated by the, um, the creation of additional lines of positive karma, <laughs> or positively, positively based thought, word, and deed based in love or selflessness or wisdom or clarity or harmlessness or support and care. All that that uh, is of the positive path, which is ultimately manifestation of love and wisdom in balance, in truth, uh, ends up buffering 
or mitigating or lessening or dissolving the established lines of um, disharmonious uh, experience that are the result of uh, certain lines of, of causation caused, created by us, which lead to negative karma, which are of disharmony or lovelessness. Um, the, the tickle uh, is done. There, there is a tickling. There is, um, you know, there is interplay at the higher level. <clears throat> meaning uh, they do receive influence by your thought of them. They're normally not conscious of it. We are normally not conscious of who's thinking of us at any moment. Uh, great masters are fully aware of who's thinking of them at any moment, <laughs> in any dimension, actually. I mean, that's what a Buddha is, <clears throat> is seven-dimensionally sensitive, always, 24-7. Uh, it does affect them, but they normally won't be conscious of it, and they won't be conscious of the effect, but <clears throat> uh, the meaning of the results, which could be, which would be positive. So, you know, there is, uh, there is, there, there are uh, laboratory results or uh, experiments that have been done <clears throat> with a control group <clears throat> and a prayed-for group. And the prayed-for group of people who are in some illness uh, statistically show certain indication that, that uh, they're bettered by being prayed for. So, <clears throat> yes, it really works. Uh, but, again, there are karmic factors that uh, have to be brought into play, as well as the, the nature of the person, their level of development. <clears throat> Again, you know, uh, the one who's more developed gets more. The more, <clears throat> the more you give, the more you get. The more you purify, the more uh, you can be benefited uh, by others who purify themselves too. That's a really big question. Well, I can just give, I mean, again, karma is above my pay grade. And uh, we can talk about it. I can say some things that are true or interesting. But ultimately, uh, determination of karmic flow is a matter for 7th and 8th density beings above higher self. And Gautama Buddha himself considered karma, discussion of karma, as one of the incomprehensibles which the monks were recommended not to spend much time considering. Because if you're not a Buddha, you just don't know. You'll know a little, but you won't know too much. And, it, you know, contemplation or conjecture of karma doesn't lead to becoming a Buddha. However, I think it's useful and interesting. Uh, <clears throat> to the extent that entities on the positive and the negative path are efficiently using catalyst using the, the efficient use of catalyst, meaning experience or whatever is happening in their mind or in the environment, using that and relating to it in a polarized way, positive or negative, they are, um, they are due for what we would call a positive or good karmic, you know, good karmic return. Which means the more that somebody on the negative path does control and domination, and the more someone on the positive path does uh, acceptance and understanding and uh, selfless service, the more uh, positive or helpful 
uh, supportive karma is due. The more anyone on their own path doesn't use their catalyst efficiently, meaning they're not in the positive path, not moving towards uh, acceptance and understanding and benefit to all, or those on the negative path are not using their experience or what's going on in their mind to be controlled and dominated and subjugated and channeled to, to uh, control of other, the more they're not doing that, both then receive, have kind of a karmic liability. So, <clears throat> uh, what's called good karma and bad karma is certainly opposite for those on the two opposite paths. Yes, it is, and actually Ra is the only source that says this, and it, it's perfectly in line logically with how we would understand soul evolution on each of the two paths. It's an indication to me, again, that Ra really is beyond polarity, because they speak very fluidly about dynamics of soul evolution on both paths. You will not find other channeling that says that. They don't know it. They don't know it because they're not really channeling. They're talking to themselves. But uh, Ra um, has used the example of cancer and said that for the positively oriented entity, the uh, inability, not being able to accept and understand and bring love to uh, anger would lead to cancer. For the negative entity, not being able to control and subjugate and channel that anger into control and domination of others would lead to would lead to cancer. So you have some 95-year-old very evil humans on earth and you have some 95-year-old very positive people on earth who are not sick. They're old, but they're not sick. And those people, positive and negative, are those who've been efficiently using their catalyst and for the negative, that's the one who is really negative. He is no problem. He has no conscience. And he's totally uh, self-justifying uh, self in evil. You know, he really thinks, I am superior. My group is superior. It's completely right for me to do anything I want to anybody at any time because I am superior. And that includes, you know, any negative action or negative activity. And so those guys can live to 95 or 90, you know, you, you see, you know, you see people like that in every country. They're, they're wiry and they're over 90 and they're evil and they're, they're healthy enough. They're just old. And that's because they're very well settled on the negative path. <laughs> well, that's how negatives advance along the negative pecking order is they do more negative. Uh, the retribution is to uh, lo bring love and acceptance to the to the situation. I mean that that's the bitter truth is that if we seek or deliver revenge, we're depolarizing. The the point is whatever shit comes to me is due to me. It's yeah. due to my action or caused by my um, my activity that's set in chain, set in motion, a chain of causality that led to that. And it's due and appropriate that I get it. And it's so it's caused by me. It's co-created. I mean, you don't make them negative, but you made them in your life by some causal chain of decision, of choices. And 
for us to um, hate them or seek and take revenge on them will only depolarize us. <laughs> so the key is to take responsibility and understand how it came to be uh, and uh, bless them and ourselves. I mean, you don't have to like them. They're ugly and, and despicable negative entities. They're just lying and cheating and scheming and hurting and controlling and killing and doing all that. That's their life. It's a very pitiful life and they don't look in the mirror and they'll be surprised when they get out of the dream when they die and wake up on the other side they'll be very surprised many of them uh, mm, you don't have to like them but we do need to make peace with our responsibility for them being um, in the play of our life and that's uh, bitter and sobering but that's about you know that that's close to the most that we can do and um, know it well and love ourselves and forgive ourselves and them too you know doesn't mean like them but to make peace with the um, the, uh, the the rightness of it <clears throat> anyway so let's pick up again uh, we'll finish the rest of session 10 here although the next two replies are quite major from Ra we'll probably get them maybe do a little bit more in the review next week 1014 Don says for general development of the reader of the book could you state some of the practices or exercises to perform to produce an acceleration toward the law of one which means an acceleration towards um, full balanced love wisdom development uh, and uh, higher self which is living the law of one or in the dimension of unity uh, on the positive path <clears throat> and these are four of the most important exercises or mainly perhaps even the only big major exercises specifically that Ra was teaching in all 106 sessions and they're very simple and they're very powerful uh, and they work <laughs> they, they lead to a change of mind and expansion of awareness and much um, development in mind <laughs> excuse me so these are four exercises and so let me read 1014 uh, exercise one <clears throat> this is the most nearly centered and usable within your illusion complex the moment contains love that is the lesson goal of this illusion or density 3d the exercise is to consciously seek that love in awareness and understanding of distortions meaning consciously seek that love seek love in awareness and understanding the first attempt is the cornerstone. Upon this choosing rests the remainder of the life experience of the entity. The second seeking of love within the moment begins the addition. The third seeking powers the second, the fourth powering or doubling the third. This is the law of squares. As with the previous type of empowerment, there will be some loss of power due to flaws within the seeking in the distortion of insincerity, like we don't believe that this is really going to work. However, the conscious statement of self to self of the desire to seek love is so central an act of will that as before the loss of power due to this friction of insincerity or doubt in the process the loss of power due to this friction is inconsequential so the moment contains love the exercise is to consciously seek and know that love in awareness and understanding 
So no matter what happens, you can be in love. <clears throat> be in love means bring understanding and acceptance and care to the present moment. Somebody does wrong to you or does harm to you, uh, the moment contains love uh, leads as an exercise would lead us to bring acceptance and understanding to the experience of feeling harmed, to an understanding of the person who's harming us, to an understanding of our karmic responsibility, to an understanding of proper response. Now, proper response doesn't necessarily mean saying, I love you, or okay, you know, keep punching me, love, 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 keep punching me, love, love, love. Of course not. Uh, it may involve getting away. It may involve punching back. I'm not perfected in anything, so I can't say what it should be. But um, the response to evil, you know, uh, turn the other cheek, that kind of thing, it doesn't really mean be a martyr. That's considered love without wisdom. But uh, the lesson goal of this illusion or density, third density, third illusion, <laughs> the third illusion living here in the third illusion, or the third vibrational illusion, 3D, physical, the veiled mind perceiving only an illusion or the outward form of, of reality in 3D, here, yes, the goal is a choice of path. And most souls, 90%, go on the positive path. And so the lesson is to seek the ways of love. Uh, the, you know, Earth is a schoolhouse for souls who have not yet learned to love. I've said that a million times. So <clears throat> this um, practice or exercise is to return to awareness of love in the moment, regardless of what's occurring, regardless of how we feel. Now, that doesn't mean we end there, but we start there. We start with um, remembrance that the moment contains love, or in the moment we can uh, move back, move to open heart. Now what? After that, then what? And that's, you know, up to you. <clears throat> Exercise two. The universe is one being. When a mind-body-spirit complex views another mind-body-spirit complex, see the creator. This is a helpful exercise. So, exercise two, based in the reality that all is one, when you see another person, see the creator. Exercise three. Gaze within a mirror, see the creator. Look in the mirror, see the creator. Exercise four, gaze at the creation which lies about the mind-body-spirit complex of each entity. See the creator. So look around you, see the creator. So uh, the moment contains love. Return to that, seek to remember that moment by moment. And then decide proper response and action. Secondly, when you see another person, see the creator. Look in the mirror, see the creator. Look around you at the objects and whatever is around in the environment, see the Creator. And Ra concludes and says, The foundation or prerequisite of these exercises is a predilection towards what may be called meditation, contemplation, or prayer. With this attitude, these exercises can be processed. Without it, the data will not sink down into the roots of the tree of mind, thus enabling and ennobling the body and touching the spirit. <clears throat> so, uh, to be able to remember in the moment, the moment contains love. When somebody is being unfair, when they're being immature, when they're being selfish, when they're being stupid, <laughs> you know? We are surrounded by immaturity, 
selfishness and stupidity. And we have it in us too. We can be this way too. But we also are aware of it or seeking to take responsibility for it and move beyond stupidity, selfishness, and ignorance and, uh, you know, immaturity. So uh, others <laughs> don't. Don't know it. Don't see it. Don't care. We need to bring love and awareness into the interaction with them as we continue to move through our own selfishness, ignorance, and immaturity. And the, the foundation for being able to do that is meditation or a quiet mind, one-pointedness. Whether it's meditation or contemplation or prayer, uh, any form of concentrative introspection uh, helps uh, be still in the moment. And there's a saying from Chinese Taoism, which is, power gathers where there is stillness. It's very important statement. So, <clears throat> with that attitude of contemplation, one-pointedness, interiorization, introspection, quiet mind, peaceful mind, uh, sensitive mind, uh, we can process the exercises and the results. And without that, uh, the data, the information, what we're getting if we do the exercises doesn't really absorb or assimilate. And this process of uh, data sinking into the roots of the tree of mind, the deep mind, the interplay between conscious and unconscious, is, when the barrier is permeable, or there's no barrier at all for an adept, or for a Buddha, uh, what we know, or what we, are, what we think becomes deep knowing. There's a distillation of love light in the processing of the, um, of the exercises. You know? So you look in the mirror, and Ra says, see the creator, and you see, you know, a shithead. And you say, hey, I'm not a creator, I'm just a shithead. I'm just an ugly mug, you know? Now, that's data, too. And that needs to be processed, too. Uh, it doesn't mean you failed the exercise. It means that uh, doing the exercise, you find that there's a disbelief that it's so. <clears throat> How can I be the creator? Look at me, I look like a mess. However, who are you really? Who is the one with that face that may be a mess? Who's the one sporting such a face? So, the sinking down data information, sinking into the roots of the tree of mind, <clears throat> leads to enabling and ennobling body, and then touching spirit, mind as a tree, the roots in body, and the canopy, or uh, canopy leaf, leafy superstructure at the top, touching spirit. The sun is spirit, the earth is body, the tree of mind is the channel between spirit and body, body, mind, spirit. Uh, any any uh, wisdom-based learning, spiritual learning, is naturally going to enable an ennobled body. And that ennobling is grace and um, dignity and also strengthening, vitality. And touching spirit is um, idealism, a lofty, a lofty appreciation, sensitivity to subtle beauty. <clears throat> These are qualities that uh, come naturally as we process experience into the 
roots of the tree of mind or by the tree of mind, by the deep mind, by the interplay of conscious-unconscious. Um, it has effect on body and surely opens us to greater, um, greater conscious dwelling in higher dimensions. Uh, 10.15. Uh, this is a question, I don't know why, <laughs> how Don went from 14 to 15, but this may have been a question that he um, had planned for the session. Uh, unfortunately, we're going to have to do it really quickly, or we will get into it more, and I'll just sort of let it sit for people. Uh, this can be seen on the ET Earth timeline, ET Earth uh, Earth ET contact timeline that I prepared on the PDF. Don asks, I was wondering about the advent of the civilization called Atlantis and Lemuria. The way these civilizations occurred and where did they come from? <clears throat> and um, Ra gives a very rich answer here and we'll build on it in future sessions. Uh, Ra says, uh, the civilizations of Atlantis and Lemuria were not one, but two. <clears throat> Let's, uh, let us first look at the Mu, Lemuria, Mu entities. Ra says, they were beings of a somewhat primitive nature, but those who had very advanced spiritual distortions, spiritual conditions of mind. The civilization was part of this cycle of the last 75,000 years, experienced early within the cycle at a time of approximately 53,000 years ago. It was a helpful and harmless place, which was washed beneath the ocean during a readjustment of your sphere's tectonic plates through no action of their own. <clears throat> this is called planetary karma. They set out those who survived and reached many places in what you call Russia, North America, and South America. The Indians, of whom you have come to feel some sympathy in your social complex distortions, society, are the descendants of these entities. So Native Americans and indigenous people are Lemurian uh, ancestors, have Lemurian ancestors. <clears throat> like the other incarnates of this cycle, they came from elsewhere. I heard that before. However, these particular entities were largely drawn from a second density planet, which had some difficulty due to the age of its sun in achieving third density life conditions. This planet was from the galaxy Deneb. So, uh, without getting into it very much, the body condition dynamics, the, the energy, the, the physical and vitality energy conditions or uh, makeup of indigenous peoples globally <clears throat> is actually due to uh, coming, in, coming from a third density planet that was orbiting a weak sun in Deneb. Deneb is a star, is a, is a constellation, not a galaxy. But the term galaxy is complicated, and we'll talk about it later in the session. But uh, anyway, Russian, uh, Siberian, right, um, Eskimo type guys, North American, South American indigenous, are uh, significantly Lemurian, <clears throat> and their religion also is a Lemurian holdover. Aspects of religion and mythology of indigenous peoples globally. Not everywhere, but at least from what Ross said, Russia and North South America. Uh, religiosity, mythology, 
some aspects of culture of those groups are Lemurian carryovers. Going on, the Atlantean race was a very conglomerate social complex which began to form approximately 31,000 years in the past. It was a slow-growing and very agrarian society until approximately 15,000 years ago. Okay. So for 15,000 years it was agrarian and uh, farming and, um, you know, simple. It reached quickly a high technological understanding which caused it to be able to use intelligent infinity in a less informative manner, <laughs> meaning um, in a negative way. We may add that they used intelligent energy as well. I'm not personally quite clear how what these different uh, types of energy are, because normally intelligent energy comes from intelligent infinity. Anyway, they used intelligent energy as well, manipulating greatly the natural influxes of the indigo or pineal ray, sixth ray, sixth dense, sixth chakra, from divine or infinite energy, which is intelligent infinity. Thus, they were able to create life forms, which is also going on today. This they began to do instead of healing and perfecting their own mind-body-spirit complexes, turning their distortions toward what you may call the negative. Yes, indeed. At approximately 11,000 years ago, the first of what you call wars, 11,000 years ago, 9,000 BC, caused approximately 40% of the population to leave the density by means of disintegration of the body. That's called uh, nuclear destruction. The second and most devastating of the conflicts occurred approximately 10,821 years in the past, according to your illusion. So uh, about 180 years after the first devastation came the second. This created an earth-changing configuration, and the large part of Atlantis was no more, having been inundated. Three of the positively oriented of the Atlantean groups left this geographical locus before that devastation, placing themselves in the mountainous areas of what you call Tibet, Peru, and Turkey. <clears throat> so, the again, as I said before, uh, the roots of uh, uh, Indian continent Aryanism uh, 6,000 years ago came from the descendants of the destruction of Atlantis that were in Tibet. The roots of Mesopotamian early civilizations <clears throat> Harappa or some other groups whatever, 6,000 plus years ago in the Middle East in the Iraq area mainly came from the descendants of those who left Atlantis that were in the mountains of Turkey. And then the groups that started out in South America, like the Olmecs, and then eventually the Mayans and Aztecs and all these other groups, came from the descendants of the destruction of Atlantis that were living in Peru. And so that is the beginning of the modern age. And um, I'm not going to go into that because we have no time, but Finally, there are three little questions about the term galaxy, and Ross says, 1016, we use the term known to your people by the sound vibration complex galaxy. We accept that some galaxies contain one system of planetary and solar groups, other containing several. However, the importance of the locus in infinite time-space dimensionality is so little that we accept the distortion implicit in such an ambiguous term. What they mean is... <clears throat> um, Ra's usage of the term galaxy uh, 
bears in mind or is based on uh, an understanding that uh, a solar system and a constellation and what we normally call a galaxy, which is a collection of billions of solar systems and galaxies or uh, constellations and suns, you know, stars and planets, all of those are called galaxy. So this is the six dimensional perspective that a single sun with planets, a collection of suns with planets, which is a constellation, and a big, big collection of suns and planets, which is called a, what we call a galaxy, are all about the same. How? Because <clears throat> um, their locus in infinite time-space dimensionality, <laughs> being manifestation in the 3D illusion, the 3D uh, tissue, the 3D sphere, their, their, um, their particular physical location and their particular differences are very, very minor when we're accounting, put into the context of infinite time-space dimensionality, meaning into the, in the perspective of a unified octave. The unified octave or a whole seven-dimensional situation or a whole seven-dimensional awareness. Within that great sphere, um, the uh, importance of physical location and the difference between uh, billions of stars or one star on a planet is very minor. <laughs> That's uh, from the big view. So 1017, then would nine planets on our sun we have here in our system, would you refer to this as a solar galaxy? We would not. <laughs> uh, Don was asking, and Roth explains in 1018, Don asked, uh, how many stars approximately would be in a galaxy? Ross says, it depends upon the galactic system. Your own, as you know, contain many, many millions of planetary entities and star bodies. So now we're going back to the use of galaxy as it's commonly done now by us. Ross affirming that uh, our Milky Way galaxy has many, many millions of planets and stars. That's not our solar system, and it's not, our, it's not a constellation. It's the Milky Way galaxy. And Don tries to clarify this and says, 1019, I was just trying to get to the way you were, the definition you're using for galaxy. You mentioned them a couple of times. It seemed to me that what you call a galaxy, we call a planetary system. Is there any way to make the instrument more comfortable? Uh, okay, interesting. Ra doesn't actually answer uh, because Don didn't, <laughs> didn't ask a question to clarify Ra didn't answer at 1019 this uh, fact that Ra sometimes uses the term galaxy for a single planetary system. They sometimes use the term galaxy for a constellation of multiple stars and planets. They sometimes use the term galaxy for what we would call a galaxy, which is a collection of many, many millions or billions of planets and stars. So <laughs> it's a little bit confused, but I believe that Ra uses the term galaxy in all ways in those three, for a single solar system, for a constellation of solar systems and stars and planets, and for a major collection of galaxy, of, of constellations and billions or millions of stars and planets, which is what we call a galaxy. Anyway, be that as it may, uh, 
the difference in the importance of the locus in infinite time space dimensionality is very little the um, position and the difference between a star system and a constellation and a galaxy is really very little in the um, perspective of infinite infinite time space so you know again this is so head and shoulders above other channelings um, that anyone with eyes to see should admit that <laughs> if they can't there's something wrong with them frankly meaning if somebody cannot admit that this material is uh, from a greater perspective of, of reality and enlightenment than most other channeling I think that there's something wrong with them <laughs> there's some perceptional problem and discernment deficiency so uh, Let's leave it at that, and that's ten se ten, session 10 uh, in two parts. Next week, next time, we'll go into session 11, which um, basically gets us into more issues regarding um, Earth history and harvest, and a little bit about some uh, human personalities on the negative path, uh, Hitler, Genghis Khan, Taras Bulba, and um, third density, Orion, all sorts of things. So it's a long session, 33 questions will take us a couple of weeks, session 11. And um, thanks for being with us. Anyway, thank you again, and um, have a good evening. Okay, thanks. Good night.